I'd like to share with you just some thoughts today. Whenever Passover comes up, which by the way is my favorite feast, I enjoy the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we begin to eat unleavened bread for seven days and abstain from leaven. But the Passover particularly is my favorite feast out of all of Yahweh's feasts. Tabernacles comes in at a close second, right? I like to camp out too. I'm thankful to be here for another year to celebrate the Passover to Yahweh. You know, we should never take for granted what a blessing it is that He allows us and gives us another opportunity to do it. Some of Yahweh's commandments can be kept every day. Some of Yahweh's commandments can only be kept once a year. And we're keeping some. We kept the Master's Supper. That's a once a year commandment. We kept the Passover. That's a once a year thing. It'll be a whole other year before we get to do that again. Be thankful. Be thankful. I'm talking about when you pray, thank Yahweh. Say, thank you, Father, for letting me keep this another year. We're not promised tomorrow life's a vapor. We don't know whether we'll make it home tonight. I know this because I've had it happen in my own immediate family. Things happen unexpectedly. You do not know what's going to happen. Be thankful. Hug the ones that you love. Tell your brothers and your sisters here that you love them. Because Passover is my favorite feast, I have thought a lot about it this past week. And I've wrote all my thoughts down. And I just want to share those thoughts with you and maybe expound upon a few of them tonight as I go through. And I share some thoughts on the Master Suppers, thoughts on the foot washing, and thoughts on Passover. first one I wrote down was from 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. It's just a verse where it says, For Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. Therefore let us observe the feast. You might hear some ministers say, some churches propagate, Christ has been sacrificed for us, therefore we don't have to observe the feast. That's not what Paul said though, is it? He said, for Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast. It gives it bigger significance, a wider range of meaning. Like Brother Arnold said, we commemorate leaving Egypt and that's the commemoration mentioned in the Torah but we know from progressive revelation through Holy Scripture that it always pointed to Christ, always pointed to Yeshua. Here's another thought. The Lord's Supper isn't for people who are worthy to take it. If that was the case, none of us could partake. Early on in my life, I used to think that you had to be worthy enough to take the Lord's Supper. And I'll come to another thought, and I do believe there are requirements to take the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper isn't about you being perfect. The Lord's Supper is about, the Master's Supper is about you confessing that you're not. The body that was broken for you, the blood that was shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Here's an additional thought on the Master's Supper. If you believe in the Messiah and you are repentant, His Supper is for you, no matter how unworthy or weak that you may feel. 
let me tell you, I, I'll go ahead and say this because I think Apostle Paul talked like this. People think that I'm strong. A lot of people that don't know me personally think I'm a very strong individual. I'm not a strong person emotionally. Uh, I'm a weak person. Apostle Paul was like that too. He said, for when I am weak, he is strong. And Apostle Paul said, I boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in me. And I'm thankful Yahweh sent me a strong wife. I'm thankful Yahweh sent me strong brothers. Brother Randy, I've worked with Brother Randy now for what, almost 13 years? Uh, Brother Randy's a strong brother. He encourages me a lot. I'm thankful that Yahweh has sent me people like that in my life. Brother Arnold's another one. Without them, I don't know that I would be where I'm at today. If you believe in Christ and you're repentant, repentant, I'm not talking about an unrepentant sinner. I'm not talking about that. The supper's not for unrepentant sinners. The supper's not for every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to darken the door of a church. Although sometimes you do have tears amongst the wheat. We know that there was one even at the final supper of Yeshua. His name was Judas Iscariot. But the supper is for those who believe in Messiah and are repentant. And it doesn't matter how unworthy you feel or how weak you feel. Your salvation is not based first and foremost on your commitment to Christ, but on Christ's commitment to you. Another thought, foot washing. The only man who ever deserved to have his feet washed bent down and washed the feet of his pupils, even the feet of his betrayer. Yeshua knew, I just read it a few days ago in John's Gospel, Yeshua knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew it. The disciples didn't. They said, who will it that will betray you? And he told them, the one that I give this sop to will be my betrayer. He gave it to Judas. He bent over to Judas and he said, What thou do, do quickly. Yeshua knew he was going to betray him. But he knelt down and he washed Judas' feet. And he washed the feet of all of his pupils. And brothers and sisters, the pupils should have been bowing down with tears in their eyes over Yeshua's feet. Because if you want to talk about beautiful feet of those that preach, that's his feet. Praise Yahweh. He blesses the ministers today. And how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. And that's not talking about how the feet look. You know what that's talking about? In that day, it would have been readily understood. What that's talking about is in the first century, when we didn't have all technology, all this stuff that we have today, they would send runners, kings would send runners on missions to find out information that was going on in a distant land. And if the runner came back to the kingdom swiftly, he had good news to bring back to the king. And they would cry out, How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news! But if the runner was sluggish, they wouldn't say that. And that's what the New Testament's talking about. When it says, How beautiful are the feet of those that preach. They bring good news. Yeshua had the most beautiful feet ever. Arguably, I would argue, the only man to deserve to have his feet washed. Even John the baptizer, whom I'll be preaching on soon, John the baptizer, whom Yeshua said there was no greater man born of a woman than John. But John the baptizer said, I'm not worthy to bend down and loosen the strap 
of Yeshua's sandal. See the humility in John. The man that deserved to have his feet washed, bent down and washed the feet of his pupils. Another thought, we take the Lord's Supper not because of what we have done for the Lord, but because of what we have not done for the Lord. What I mean by that is this, the reason that we're taking the Supper is because we're confessing that we are sinners apart from His grace. We need that body. We need that blood for our salvation. We don't take it because of something we have done, but because of something that we have not done. When I come to the Lord's Supper, another thought, when I come to the Lord's Supper every year, I feel like I'm a beggar trying to find some bread. But then, but then, the richest man in the world, I'm not talking about monetary riches here. I'm talking about the man with the righteousness, and his name is Yeshua the Messiah. The richest man in the world, after I feel like I'm a beggar, he comes at the supper and he gives me everything that he's got. His body broken, his blood shed. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18-19, St. Peter said this, You were redeemed, not with corruptible things, like silver and gold. Silver and gold, moths can come in and corrupt them. Thieves can break through and steal that stuff. That's why Yeshua says, don't lay up your treasures and all that. Lay them up in the kingdom. Lay them up in heaven. We're not redeemed with corruptible things, brothers and sisters, like that, but rather with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb, without blemish, without defect. When we pick out that lamb for Passover, we make sure that he's healthy. We make sure that he doesn't have defect. Yeshua is the anti-typical lamb. We were redeemed with his blood, which is incorruptible. It's not like silver and gold. It's not like houses, cars, lands. His blood's incorruptible. That's how we were redeemed. Another thought from Isaiah 53.5. Don't let these verses just go in one ear and out the other. Think about them. Meditate. Listen to this. He, this is speaking of Yeshua, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace fell upon Him. When Yeshua died, when he was beat, when he was tortured, we was talking about that, I think, a little bit yesterday with some of the brothers. Before he was crucified, he was beat with what they call a cat of nine tails by the Roman government, which had pieces of bone and, and shards of glass attached onto it so that when they would beat him on his chest and on his back, each time it would rip into his body and the skin would rip off, leaving a bloody mess. Isaiah says his visage, his appearance was marred more than any man. You could not recognize him. He was beaten so bad. When that happened to Yeshua, it's it's so easy for me to say what I'm about to say. and There's nothing I could do to ever repay him. But when that happened to Yeshua, that should have been happening to Matthew. It should have. And that's so easy for me to speak. It should have been happening to you. 
He wasn't the one that had sinned. All we like sheep had gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. But Yahweh hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace. That means my peace between me and the Father. So I could be in a good, right relationship with Father Yahweh because Father Yahweh is just. He has to turn away from sin. He cannot just overlook sin. It has to be punished. And He punished it when He punished His Son. The punishment for our peace fell on, not Matthew, fell on Him, the Lamb, the unblemished Lamb. It's beautiful, isn't it? Here's another thought. Children were always included in the Passover. When I say children, I'm talking about like my children here. Children were always included in the Passover. When you get to the end of Exodus 12, it even says that when you sacrifice the Passover, that your child will ask you, what does this mean? And they do. Now, my older children don't ask me as much because I've told them when they were little, but David asked me this year as he watched. He said, Daddy, why do we do this? Now, I've told him last year and the year before. He's getting now where he starts to remember things. He said yesterday, he said, this is my second time doing this, Dad. I said, this is your sixth time doing this, son. You're six years old, but you don't remember it. He said, oh, okay. Children say the funniest things. But he asked me, he said, what does this mean? And I told him, it's the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover who passed over the houses in Egypt and did not suffer the destroyer to enter in and kill our firstborn. But he slew the firstborn of the Egyptians. And then he brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with his final tenth plague. Children were always included in the Passover. I think they should be included in the Lord's Supper too. Remember, we're supposed to be like them. I haven't shared some of these thoughts that are going in my mind right now about children with a lot of people. Maybe one day in the next year or two I'll preach some sermons on the children of believers. But Yahweh is, through His Scriptures, has given me a different insight, different understanding about the children of believers. The children of believers. They're precious. Here's another thought. This is from a friend of mine on Twitter. His name is Jay Carper. He's a fellow Torah observant believer in Christ. And he just said this yesterday or last night when I got home and I laid down and this tweet came in from Jay. And he said this, there is an extraordinary amount of text dedicated to the Passover in the Bible. It is an extremely important day to Yahweh. And let me tell you something. I know that already, but when I read him tweet that, I thought it was so, laying in my bed at 2.30 a.m. this morning, it was so potent. There is. You read the New Testament and there's like a Passover motif all through the New Testament where types and symbols are used through the epistles of Paul and the epistles of Peter. It is an extremely important day to Almighty Yahweh. Passover reminds me, another thought, Passover reminds me that it takes the blood of the Lamb to cause the destroyer to pass over my house. The blood of the Lamb, physical in Egypt, spiritual when we talk about sin. Another thought, Yeshua entered Jerusalem on the 10th day of Abib. That's when he rode into Jerusalem. Compare John 12.1 and John 12.12. 12. 
That was the same day that the lambs were selected for Passover. Exodus 12, 3-4. The Lamb of Yahweh riding in to the center of the earth. What Israelites would have considered the center of the earth, the heart of the earth. He rides in on the same day that the lambs were selected according to Exodus 12, the 10th day of the month of Abib. Every home in Egypt without the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost lost their firstborn son. Every home in Egypt without the blood of the lamb upon their doorpost and lintel lost their firstborn son. Exodus 4.22 Yahweh says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And the way that his firstborn son gets delivered is by the blood of the lamb. Yeshua the Messiah. The Passover lamb was to be without blemish, Exodus 12, 5. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Yeshua, our Passover, was without sin. He never transgressed Yahweh's law. It's another thing. I was washing David's hair the other day and I was talking to him about the Master Supper and Passover. And I said, Yeshua never transgressed Yahweh's law, David. He said, never. I said, no, not, not ever. David said, boy, he was a good boy, wasn't he? <laughs> I said, yeah, you could say that. Now, we tend to think about the Messiah, and we think he just showed up on the scene at 30 years old. But no, he was born. He had to come through the womb of Miriam. She was pregnant with him for roughly nine months. And then he grew up. And when the Bible says he was without sin, that doesn't mean that he never stubbed his toe or, or scraped his knee. doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean he never got sick. That doesn't mean he never lived a normal life like all children lived back then and we live now. No, it means that he never transgressed the Torah of Yahweh. Why? Because he was Yahweh's son. And when I say that, I mean it. He was Yahweh's son. Supernaturally conceived. He was without sin. He never transgressed the law of Yahweh. Therefore, he qualified to be that unblemished lamb. Another thought. Passover has always been a shadow of things to come. Colossians 2.17. Somebody told me a couple weeks ago, you keep Passover, that's just a shadow of things to come. And I said, it's always been a shadow of things to come. Even in the days of Moses, it was a shadow of things to come. So do you think that some of the elders got together and brought this petition to Moses and said, Moses, you know we're just keeping a shadow of something that's supposed to come, so we don't need to do it. No, it's always been a shadow of things to come. That's never meant that Passover is to be discarded. It still now points back to Messiah, whereas in Exodus it pointed forward to Messiah. Here's another great one. Psalm 34. I wrote a song, Many Are the Afflictions of the Righteous. Psalm 34 speaks of Yahweh keeping all of the bones of the righteous from being broken. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yahweh delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones from being broken. How many in here has ever broke a bone? You know, there was one man who when he was killed had no bones broken. John 19.37 says that when they did not break his bones, remember when they got to him, he was already dead. So that it might be fulfilled, not a bone of him shall be broken. 
When Psalm 34 says, He keepeth all His bones from being broken, He's talking about Yeshua. It also goes back to Exodus 12, 46. None of the Passover lamb's bones are to be broken when you kill it. Israel of old was delivered by the blood of the lamb before receiving the law as a guide. So it is today. Notice the Israelites did not receive the law first and then get deliverance. They were delivered by grace, the blood of the Lamb, and then later received the law on Mount Sinai. And that's how it happens today. When a person receives the Messiah, they're delivered not by their works, but by the grace of Yahweh, by the blood of the Lamb, something outside of them, Christ outside of them. But then what happens? They receive the law, and they learn, and they grow in grace and in knowledge. Another thought, it was ordained that the Messiah die on Passover, resurrect on wave sheaf first fruits, which is coming up right here at sundown. The holy festivals have always pointed to the Messiah, always. Yahweh orchestrated these events to happen like they did. Do not overlook the power of that. Yeshua could not have died on any other day. He died the same day that the Passover lambs were slaughtered. That's day one, 14th day of Abib. He was at rest on the Sabbath in the tomb. Day two. He resurrected on the first day of the week, which was the wave sheaf offering, the first fruit offering. Remember the barley? priest lifts it up, weighs it before the Father. Yeshua resurrects up out of the tomb. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says he's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He does that on the 16th day of Abib. 14th, 15th, 16th. What does Paul write in 1 Corinthians 15, 4? He says Christ, 3 through 4, Christ died for our sins, but he doesn't just say that. He says according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose the third day according to the Scriptures. I believe that the scripture that Paul was talking about when he sees resurrecting on the third day is Leviticus 23, verses 4 through 15, where it talks about Passover, 14th, Sabbath, 15th, first day of the week, or first fruit, 16th. Yahweh orchestrated that all those rehearsals every year that took place with Passover, Sabbath, and first fruits would happen. Yeshua died on Passover, laid in the tomb at rest on Sabbath, resurrected as the wave sheaf of the first fruit offering. Don't let that pass over you. Catch that. Yahweh orchestrated that. That's beautiful. The Israelites who had faith in Yahweh applied the blood of the Passover lamb to their doors in Exodus chapter 12. The Israelites who had faith, faith in Yahweh, it led them to do works. They put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and their lintel. If they did not put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and lintel, it would only prove that there was no faith there in their heart. But you know the same takes place today in the Messiah. The Israelites who truly have faith in Yahweh take the blood of the lamb and apply it to their life, to their heart. Praise Yahweh. These are some of the thoughts that I've had about Passover, and I wanted to share them with you. 
in somewhat of a put-together sermon this evening. It's not normally how I preach, but these are thoughts that have been on my mind. So, do we love Yahweh today? Are we thankful for the feast? Um, I'm so excited to be part of the family of Yahweh. I appreciate uh, all the kind words that everybody said. Um, But I'm thankful for all of you guys. We all play a part in the body of Christ. And there's no member higher than the other. We have the same honor. No matter if you're the foot, no matter if you're the hand, the ear, the nose, the eyelash, you're part of the body. And you're important. And I appreciate every man, woman, and child. I appreciate all the things that go on behind the scenes. And remember what Brother Arnold said. Sometimes we can become discouraged when we do things. And it's just the flesh is what it is because we want somebody to see what we're doing. (laughs) But remember, Yahweh sees. Yahweh sees. And let me tell you something. He is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love that you show forth into His name. Now, it's good. If, If you see a brother or a sister do something for Yahweh, you should encourage them in that. But if nobody ever sees... Yahweh's watching, and you're storing up them treasures in heaven. So praise Yahweh. I'm so thankful for all of you people. I wouldn't want to preach and pastor at any other congregation in the world. I wouldn't want to do it. Matter of fact, if I was asked to do it, I wouldn't do it. Uh, This is where I'm at until Yahweh takes me out. So uh, hopefully that will be later than sooner. (laughs) Let's stand and have a word of prayer.